You're listening to the Story Embers podcast, a podcast dedicated to guiding and inspiring Christian storytellers to glorify God with excellent craftsmanship. I'm your host, James Nola, and welcome to episode 62, where Christians ever made to fit into genre boxes. Welcome everyone to today's episode on the Story Embers podcast. I'm your host, James Nola. I'm Laurie Scott. I'm Josiah DeGraff. And I'm Gabrielle Pollock. And today we're talking about the question, were Christians ever made to fit into genre boxes? Today's topic is inspired by Natalie, who wrote to us after Alan Arnold gave a talk here at Story Embers recently on reclaiming restful creativity. Alan talked about the Eden option, where he encourages writers to choose to partner with God in seeking new expressions of creativity, rather than simply doing what everyone else is doing, because that's what seems successful in the world we live in. Natalie wrote to us, she said, For years I've been running from the idea that Christian writers aren't my people. I don't seem to fit in with Christian circles in general, and I don't fit into secular groups either. I'm a part of an excellent writing group, but in terms of my type of writing, I don't seem to fit into any markets, genres, etc. Because of Mr. Arnold's talk, I'm wondering if I was ever supposed to fit into any current markets and genres. I've just never allowed myself to think that way. So, I wanted to bring you guys this wonderful question of whether Christians were ever supposed to fit into the boxes of genre. So, the first question on this I'd love to throw your way is, how do you, as a Christian, foster new creativity and new stories, rather than simply telling and retelling the stories that seem to sell? I think fostering creativity, at least in my life, it looks a lot like diving deep into what I love and what I'm drawn to. So I think every person is created with a certain love for certain things or values or experiences. Like I love, I love the Wild West. I love fall. I love monsters. I love really intense books. I like a lot of different things and combining them is usually how I create more unique stories and situations and books and such. And I think that's on purpose. I think we were designed to use the loves that God has put in our lives to create something that's unique and creative. I'm going to jump in from a teacher's perspective, of course, because that's my experience in the classroom. We do have different ways of approaching the idea of creativity and fostering creativity. Uh, One of the things that often comes up is fluency, thinking and generating a lot of ideas and pushing yourself to come up with more and more and more and more ideas and categorizing the ideas and see if they inspire more ideas. Um, and there's special different kinds of techniques that you can use to um, come up with some of those topics and some of those ideas. But what I found from my experience in working with it is when I don't stop with what's easy, when I push myself to ask that what if, what if one more time, then I start coming up with you know, it's like there's a little door in your brain that kind of opens up and it's like, oh, oh, oh. And it's great to do those things with other people, too. 
this why Gabby, you have those brainstorm sessions for the writers. That's where we, you know, it's like, oh, you bounce ideas off of other people. That's another way to, to build that kind of creative thinking that we're looking for. I also feel like um, it's always been the idea of letting your brain rest and try something a little bit different. Some writers will recommend that you go for walks. I personally will doodle. I doodle a lot. And sometimes while I'm doodling, one part of my brain shuts off and the other part of my brain shuts on. Although some people will argue I am completely shut down at all times. But um, I find when, when I do switch it up a little bit, there's just something about it in your brain that just kind of clicks and, and you can look at things more creatively. Or even if you're stuck at a place in the story and you don't know where to go, just taking a break from it or going for a walk and letting that idea just kind of sit there and percolate. You'll be surprised what you can come up with. Yes. And when you're having those crazy brainstorming sessions that Lori talked about where you're just pushing your brain, you also have to have a really healthy confidence that the inspiration is going to come. Because if you're not confident, then your brain's not going to find that little door that leads you to that concept that you really need. And it's like you don't have to come up with the perfect thing. You just come up with a bunch of ideas. And you might throw out a million of them, but there'll be that one little gem there. I love all the tips you've given so far on how to best brainstorm and give yourself the the freedom and the confidence that you need uh, in order to foster new creativity. One other thing that, going back to the original question I was thinking about as well, is I think it is important for us. You know, to be thinking about how can we use the the gifts and the creativity that God has given us. You know, I think the previous podcast episode you know, that's look at how can we use our own stories uh, to add more depth to our own writing is very relevant as well. That being said, I think sometimes there can be set up a divide where you have creativity on the one hand and stories that sell on the other hand. And I think there can be some tension there. Uh, but I do want to perhaps push back slightly and suggest that considering what sells isn't necessarily going to impair your creativity. It certainly can. But at the core of selling is the idea of how are you serving readers with your story? Right. The fact is, I could tell a very, very creative story that is told in a very unique way that is all written out of order, that is random, that is just a pure burst of inspiration that readers look at like, well, I'm not going to read that because I'm just confused. Right. And so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. If writers are also considered at the same time what also sells, I don't think it's necessarily our primary motivation for many of us. But I think in some regards, what this comes down to is really understanding yourself as a writer and understanding what is important to me and what am I pursuing. Different writers will be at different stages with regards to where they fall on how much am I telling being you know, as creative as I can be versus how much am I being driven by the market. I think it's probably helpful for us to think about it as a spectrum. Uh, it's not necessarily an either or. There are different choices we need to make. But I don't think that if you are out there and you're like, well, I want to craft stories that sell that doesn't mean that you necessarily need to give up creativity or vice versa. And so I think sometimes there's a bit of a balancing act here that we need to pursue. You just need to know where you are on that spectrum based on what's important to you. I love that idea, Josiah. 
And while you were talking, you had mentioned sort of looking at those genres and trying to find those boundaries. It reminded me that when we are looking at creativity, one of the things that actually spurs creativity is to put those boundaries on. For example, I could say, well, make a list of animals. And you could probably list a bunch of animals. And then if I put a boundary up, like make a list of animals that have three syllables in their name, well, that narrows it and forces your brain to go a different way. Well, how about a list of animals with three syllables that start with the letter A? And so, like you're saying, trying to find that balance within the genre and still be creative, it's there. In fact, it might allow us to be even more creative with how we approach things if we have those boundaries. Amen. Now, something else I was thinking, Lori, as you were talking, because I know you've talked a little bit before about how you've approached this challenge in your own writing and taking some book topics ideas that aren't necessarily the ones that are most written about, per se. I was, I was wondering if you'd uh, like to share anything on that front and how you've approached this question with some of your own stories. No, that is a great question. I do know that when I wrote Inside the Ten Foot Line, which was the first book in that sports series, I was looking for a gap in the market. I know that books that sell are ones that have a place on the bookshelf. And so I wanted to find a place on the bookshelf for this story. But I also wanted to look for a place where there might be a gap. And I realized there's a lot of sports stories out there for boys, but there's not a lot of sports stories out there for girls. So then I started looking at sports stories for girls and discovered that there are a few out there. A lot of them, though, are written from a very worldly point of view and um, not something that I would feel comfortable writing or necessarily reading because of their perspective. Or it was a girl that was trying to, you know, prove herself and go out into the male sport and participate there. And so I started thinking, well, what if we have a book that's geared for the Christian female athletes? So there are some boundaries there. I'm writing within this wheelhouse, and yet I'm still touching on those bigger things of balance in your life and competition and team dynamics and everyday life things like troubles at home and high school angst and drama. So in having to look at that type of genre and how can I put this on the bookshelf and also still push it maybe even in a little different direction and reach an audience that isn't touched very often. And so that's how I came up with the idea for the entire series. And hopefully it'll get out there (laughs) to the people that need to and want to read it. You know, one of the things I really liked about what you're doing, Lori, is how you're really blending creativity with a good business sense there. Uh, you weren't just looking at what are the stories that are selling and how can I do the same thing that everyone else is doing, but you're thinking creatively of how can I do something different, um, but also at the same time stumbled on, you know, what is potentially a, a missing gap there and what readers are looking for. And this might just be repeating what everyone else has said, but... I am unfortunately not a marketer person. I feel very icky about marketing, even though I try my very hardest. But if you're struggling with finding that gap and you're looking for something that readers might need, it is often helpful to look at the books that you really enjoy and the genres that you really enjoy and then figure out what you would really want to add to one of your favorite books or some of your favorite books. So a lot of the books that I feel drawn to are dark epic fantasies that are sometimes YA, and what I see when I read them is a lack of sacrifice 
on the parts of the main characters. And I see that these are books that are pretty popular because I enjoy them and they're written very well, but they're missing that one ingredient that would make them one of my top favorite books. And so if you see something like that, something that's popular, but that's missing a little bit of soul or something that you feel like you could add to it, then that's that's your genre right there because it already has an audience. You and there are other people out there who feel like you who are reading these books who also feel that there's just something missing. That's where my first series came in because when my daughter was in first grade, Junie B. Jones was very, very popular book series. But I didn't like the way Junie B. Jones acted or spoke or her attitudes, especially when my daughter started getting all sassy and her grammar, which was important to me, suddenly became very Junie B. Jonesy incorrect. So I went out and searched and scoured for books that were like Junie B. Jones, but had the Christian approach instead. I couldn't find it. And so those books sold built on the premise of the Christian version of Junie B. Jones. And they did fairly well during their time. And that would not have happened had I not looked at a genre that already existed and already was popular, like you were saying, Gabby, and then said, but this is how I would like it to be presented instead, and then doing it. Yeah, thank you, guys. This is a a really brilliant discussion and ties in really well with my next question, which is how can we approach genre as Christians and where might we be able to push genre in new ways? I think we've seen some Christian authors make those bold moves to tackle some of the genres that are interesting and exciting, like Gabby was talking about. She liked that high, dark, epic fantasies. But taking those and giving them a Christian spin, which is a great thing to do. We saw that in Brian Davis when he wrote some dragon stories. And there's some other authors out there, Christian authors, that have brought that Christian worldview into those fantasy or, you know, even horror like Ted Decker has taken some of those things on. And even Frank Peretti, he wrote some middle grade YA books that had some really scary supernatural elements to them. And my children loved those books because they kind of liked to be spooked a little bit. I don't personally like to be spooked, but they do. And so it allowed them to explore this genre, but also within the safety of this is written from a Christian worldview. So it is safe for my kids to read. Yeah, I think those are a bunch of great examples, Lori. Yeah, I think in general, my answer to this question is that I think our, our previous conversation gave you know, a lot of the foundations for doing it of thinking of, you know, what are the things that you really like about a genre? And then also thinking about how could I do it differently in a way that might meet a need out there. But I think there's a lot of great examples to look at uh, for different authors who've done just that and done quite well by doing so. So my last question for you guys for this episode, what might you recommend to writers who struggle to feel like they belong in any particular community, whether Christian or secular, or a type of genre? What advice would you have for these kind of writers? Follow God's leading. He will lead you where you need to go. Yeah, I think that's really where where I'm settling as well. I think that our impact as storytellers shouldn't be judged by our marketing success. 
or our ability to publish a book. It should be judged by our faithfulness. I think that for all of those of you who are listening to this podcast, the reason that you write is because God has put a passion in your heart. And as people who are not God, (laughs) we don't know what God is going to be doing with that. But what God has called us to be is to be faithful, whether we are given the one talent or the ten talents. And just because someone has the ten talents and is going out there and making 20 talents and we just have one talent that we can make with ours, that doesn't make us a failure. And so I think recognizing that whatever amount of success we achieve or don't achieve, God isn't up there judging us by were we able to sell this many books and bring people to Christ. He's just looking for us to be faithful with the gifts that he's given us, and that's sufficient. I think the more we can uh, remember that, I think that really ought to give us the confidence we need to to tell the sorts of stories that we believe we ought to write. Yes. Amen, 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 amen. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. A little small thought to tack onto that. I do really think that God does enjoy when we use our creativity in the ways that he's given it to us. Because we are following his example as the first creator. And he didn't make his children to sit down at their laptops miserably and search and search and search for the biggest, most important trend and then try to gospelify it. If that's not what he's leading us to do, he doesn't want us to be miserable trying to do it. So, yes, I appreciate that. And if we follow God and we don't get the results that we were maybe hoping or expecting to get, I still think there's going to be so many blessings along the way and very unexpected answers to prayer that if you went your own way and you tried to maybe be the most popular writer ever out there, you would be missing on so many more important things. I'm going to tack on to, I mean, I think part of the struggle is like you feel like a writer has to fit into a certain kind of box You have to be, you're a writer if you do these things, if you write these things, if you achieve this goal. And that is not the case. Who says that we have to fit in? (laughs) I mean, we don't. But just being ourselves, people will appreciate that and they'll be drawn to you. Plus, you can look for other people at writers' conferences. You can uh, join communities like the ones that Story Embers offers, listen to podcasts, find people on social media. You will find your people. They're out there. A C.S. Lewis quote came to mind, and I'm going to butcher it terribly, but we're going to try. I don't quite remember which book it was from. It could have been The Great Divorce or Mere Christianity, either one. But it went something like, How similar are all the great dictators of the world and how gloriously different all the saints? So the closer that you follow to God, the more unique and strange you might become. But there will definitely be people out there, like Lori was saying, that are going to be like you and that are going to find your interests. Thank you so much, Lori, Josiah and Gabby for sharing such wise and insightful thoughts on today's episode. And a special thank you to Natalie for sending in the question that sparked our discussion today. If you have a question or topic you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, please email us at info at storyembers.org to let us know. We'd love to hear about it. And as always, special thanks to our Patreon supporters, Taylor Clarkson, Michael Stanton, and Renee Kennedy. We really appreciate your support. Finally, join us again on July 17th for our next episode of The Story Embers Podcast.